Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, it's Basha here, and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. Now, sometimes the biggest mysteries happen right in front of us for all the world to see. On the 24th of June, almost exactly two months ago, the Russian mercenary chief, Yevgeny Prigozhin, a loud and bombastic former hot dog seller, launched a mutiny. 30 years since rubbing shoulders with Vladimir Putin in St. Petersburg's restaurants, pouring wine for the future Russian president and his powerful guests, Yevgeny Prigozhin had successfully climbed the ladder of chaos in Putin's Russia. From restaurateur to a mercenary chief in command of a growing and brutal force in Ukraine and around the world, the Wagner Group. And then suddenly, two months ago, these two allies were seemingly at war with each other. After more than a year fighting some of Russia's bloodiest battles in its war in Ukraine, the Wagner Group's mercenaries, led by Prigozhin, were marching on the Russian capital, angrily criticizing the Kremlin and the war. They had had enough, it seemed. And over the course of a single day, or 23 hours to be exact, Russians were fighting Russians on Russian soil. And it seemed as if there could be only one of two outcomes on the table that day. That President Vladimir Putin could be overthrown, or that Yevgeny Prigozhin would be killed for his unprecedented show of force and treachery against the Russian leader. But at first, it seemed that neither of those things really happened. And so my colleagues, Will Brown and Nina Kuriata, with producer Matt Russell, have been investigating this extraordinary story of mutiny and the fraying of Russia's war on Ukraine. And just as we were putting this podcast together, a deadly new twist. A mysterious plane crash, apparently wiping out the Wagner leadership. I'm handing over to Will. It's 9pm on the 23rd of June this year in Russia. A man half walks, half runs down an uneven path in the middle of the forest. He's panting and shouting in Russian. On the right, a blue plastic jerry can and what looks like a box of ammunition. There's debris everywhere. The man keeps striding towards the clearing. What the fuck was that, he says. They hit it. The guys were there. Run, run, run. He comes across a scene of devastation and his voice is shaking. In the clearing, there's a small trench in the midst of damaged trees. Two fires are burning in the background. How many were they, he asks. Two, three, how many? The camera cuts to a different image. A corpse face down on the ground with what looks like a severed arm. 
is the aftermath of an airstrike on a Wagner mercenary camp in Ukraine, or so it's claimed. This is the beginning, the start of 23 hours of Russian chaos, and the beginning of the end for a man called Yevgeny Prigozhin. Those who died in Bakhmut died defending the honor of Russia and the Russian army. They vilely deceived us and tried to deprive us of the opportunity to defend our homes. And they looked to disband Wagner. It's 9.10 p.m., 10 minutes since the footage of the alleged strike on Russian mercenaries in Ukraine starts circulating. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the Wagner Group's bombastic, angry, confident leader, addresses his followers in an audio message on the app Telegram. A huge number of fighters were killed, our comrades in arms. We'll decide how to respond to this atrocity, the balls in our court. 20 minutes later, at 9.30pm, he releases another message. There's rage in his voice. Those who destroyed our guys today and many tens of thousands of Russian soldiers' lives will be punished. I ask that nobody resists. If someone tries, we will consider that a threat and destroy them. The message is directed. For months, Yevgeny Prigozhin has had a problem with Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister responsible for the Russian armed forces and overseeing the Ukrainian invasion. He's accused him of gross incompetence, of trying to steal his fighters, of trying to bring the Wagner troops under the control of the Ministry of Defense. In response, just minutes after Prigozhin's message, the Russian Defense Ministry releases a statement. They say the claims of the Wagner mercenaries and their leader Prigozhin of an airstrike on one of their camps do not correspond to reality and are an informational provocation. At 10.30 p.m., 90 minutes after that original video begins to circulate online, Moscow escalates. Dmitry Peskov, Vladimir Putin's press secretary, says... Putin is aware of the situation unfolding around Prigozhin. All necessary measures are being taken. Shortly after Peskov's statement, the FSB, Russia's security services, announces they've opened a criminal case against Prigozhin for instigating an armed rebellion. At around 10.45pm, the Russian Ministry of Internal Affairs sends troops to raid Wagner's offices in St. Petersburg. Meanwhile, other special forces leave Moscow to head towards Belograd, a city in western Russia, 40 kilometres from the Ukrainian border. Suddenly, after months of ranting from Prigozhin and his group of tens of thousands of fighters in Ukraine, Russia is responding to more than criticism. Suddenly, there's a threat of a rebellion, and the Kremlin must respond, and quickly. It's now 11.30pm on Friday the 23rd of June, two and a half hours since the airstrike was posted online. Security across various parts of Russia is ramping up. A fortress plan has announced for a number of police departments in the Rostov region in southern Russia, as well as in Moscow. The Kremlin fears a violent uprising. Security has stepped up at key buildings in Moscow. Highways to the key trading port city of Rostovodon in southern Russia, near Ukraine, are being blocked off. The Russian Ministry of Defense is looking to halt Wagner's progress towards the city, fearing they will take over the key military headquarters. 
But then, videos on social media show armoured vehicles moving around Vrostovodon. They don't belong to the Russian military. The roar of helicopters can be heard overhead. It's chaotic, just before midnight, and no one knows what's going on. In another video from Rostov, police vehicles can be seen on the side of the road, blue lights flashing. The city is on high alert. Midnight has struck, and now it's Saturday the 24th of June. There are reports that Russian TV channels have been hacked. And they're broadcasting Yevgeny Prigozhin's statements. It's starting to look a lot like a coup. At around half past midnight, the White House confirms their monitoring situation. But there's still no word from Vladimir Putin. And as more and more vehicles are spotted in Rostovodon, hundreds of miles north in Moscow, the Russian military preparations are beginning to ramp up. Security officers start to set up roadblocks on the M4 road that leads from Rostovodon north to Voronezh and Moscow. Wagner and Russian telegram channels are awash with rumours. It's close to 1am on the 24th of June. Rumours swirl that a column of Wagner fighters are passing the first checkpoints. They say they're on their way to Novocherkask, where that Russian army headquarters are. It's also known that a column of 400 vehicles left Milorovo in the direction of Moscow. Remember, these men are mercenaries, paid fighters that have spent months fighting in Ukraine. Some will even be ex-convicts, taken out of prison to fight for Wagner in Ukraine. But since the Ministry of Defence tried to take them under their control, huge divides have emerged. To get on top of the growing PR battle, Moscow produces an emergency news bulletin. It says the alleged airstrike on the Wagner camp from the previous evening was staged and it produces three pieces of apparent evidence. The bulletin ends by saying that President Putin has been informed of the unfolding situation and all necessary measures are being taken. Things are spinning out of control. It appears that Vladimir Putin is losing his grip on the reins of power, and that over the next few hours and days, there is going to be a bloody showdown for control of Russia's future. Just before 2am, on Saturday 24th of June, as most of Russia sleeps, General Sergei Sorovakin, the deputy commander of Russia's forces in Ukraine, posts a warning to Wagner. He's sitting at a large wooden table, set against a plain white-walled backdrop. He's in military fatigues, on his lap, he's holding a rifle. We are of the same blood. We are warriors. I urge you to stop. The enemy is just waiting for our internal political situation to escalate. Other lieutenants and senior officials in Russia follow suit. Around 2am, Prigozhin releases another voice note. He reiterates. If anyone gets in our way, we will destroy everything. In it, he claims Wagner forces have entered Russian territory, and more importantly, the southern trading city of Rostov and Don. It confirms that a rebel force has taken a major Russian city. It looks like the world's largest country, with its biggest stockpile of nuclear weapons, is about to descend into civil war. He says his Russian fighters have been greeted warmly, and in a separate audio message, 
He says that the Russian Air Force had been ordered to carry out airstrikes on the column of advancing Wagner fighters, but had refused. Unverified local reports say that the sound of military planes can be heard in the sky somewhere over Rostov. And rumours grow that the Russian Ministry of Defence has lost control over a number of army units in the Rostov region. Dawn approaches. At 3.42 in the morning, Prigozhin claims that Wagner mercenaries have shot down a Russian military helicopter approaching the city of Rostov. By 5am on the 24th of June, eight hours after videos alleging a Russian airstrike against a Wagner camp started to circulate, there's verified footage of Wagner's tanks in Rostov undone. Bewildered residents are outside filming. One video shows Wagner's tanks purportedly pointing their guns at the city's military headquarters. The city has fallen to Wagner. And as the rest of Europe is waking up, there are dozens of videos circulating showing fighters, tanks and armoured personnel carriers crawling through the city. In another, a Wagner tank can be seen rolling past a KFC drive through other clips show helicopters flying overhead. What we appear to be seeing is a full-on armed uprising. The beginnings of a coup against not only the Russian military, but against Putin himself. And meanwhile, ordinary residents go about their business. Come six in the morning, armed men skirt around the police headquarters in Rostov, seemingly to take it over. Wagner are in full control of the city. Is this the beginning of the end for Putin? It's 7.30am. Prigozhin publishes another video from the city. He's in full military gear this time. Quickly glancing at his silver watch, he says, We are at the headquarters. It's 7.30am. Rostov military objects, including the airdrome, are under control. The fighter jets and medical aircraft take off with no problems. The only thing which is done, we took it under control so that the fighter jets would not attack us, but would attack Ukrainians. Then he drops a bombshell. When we came here, we confirmed a lot of new things. Huge territories are lost. There is three to four times more killed soldiers than it is shown in the documents and reported to the leadership. The numbers reported to the leadership are ten times smaller than those reported on the TV. He's alleging that Sergei Shoigu, the defense minister, has been lying to Vladimir Putin and to the Russian people about how the war in Ukraine is going. And in doing so, he's undermining everything the Russian government has been saying for the past year. He's pitching himself as the patriot, going up against the corrupt Russian military class who are undermining Putin. He's careful not to criticise Putin directly, though. The two have known each other since the 1990s, and it's because of Putin that Prigozhin and the Wagner Group have risen to the prominence it has in the last decade. Putin is still the man in charge, and Prigozhin knows that and defers to that. And Prigozhin seems to be welcomed like a hero. In some videos, the residents of Rostov-Adon can be seen greeting, chatting and bringing food and coffee to the Wagner fighters. It's now 9.30am and Prigozhin 
and what's thought to be about 7,000 or more Wagner soldiers are moving up the M4 motorway towards Moscow. Finally, almost more than 12 hours on from the start of this chaos, at 10am, we hear from Putin himself. We will protect our people and our statehood from any threats, including internal treason. And what we have faced is exactly that, treason. And those who have organised an armed rebellion will be held accountable. Those who have been drawn into this, I call on you to stop your criminal actions. Reactions are now flowing in from all around the world. This is humiliation for Putin on the grand stage. French President Emmanuel Macron says France stays focused on events in Ukraine, while Poland confirms their defence ministry is monitoring events closely. The EU says it considers it an internal Russian matter. It's now 10.18am, 18 minutes since Putin's address. Prigozhin responds. Suddenly, this is a confrontation with the Russian president himself. No one is going to turn themselves in at the request of the president. We don't want the country to continue to live in corruption and lies. We're patriots, and those who are against us are the ones who gathered around the bastards. More raids are being carried out on Wagner premises, this time in the city of Vladimir, some 300 kilometers east of Moscow. It's 10.45 in the morning as armed forces break into the premises and all across Russian cities, recruiting banners that urged people to join Wagner are being torn down. Along the main road to Moscow, the Wagner march is continuing to gather speed. In one video, black smoke can be seen as artillery blasts off in the background. Meanwhile, Moscow is becoming like a fortress. Trenches are dug on the outskirts as the military begin to move into position. The city hasn't seen this since the Second World War. Wagner's convoy of tanks and trucks continue to move up their motorway. At midday on the 24th of June, Wagner shoots down a Russian military air transport plane in Baranyash region. Prigozhin left Rostov four and a half hours ago with thousands of fighters to head towards Moscow. But lots of Wagner fighters have remained in Rostov to ensure it remains under Wagner's control. It's a key military site that's important to hold. We just heard a loud bang. Civilians scatter through the streets after an explosion is heard at the city's military headquarters. But I guess so we can slow down. The column of Wagner fighters are now near a fuel depot in the Vyonyash region. They've taken over all military facilities in the area as Russian aircraft continue to try and bomb them from the air. They even target an oil depot to deprive them of fuel along the road. It's all ramping up. Now, at 16 past two in the afternoon, Putin's plane takes off from Moscow in the direction of St. Petersburg. But no one knows if he's on the plane or where it's going exactly. Wagner forces are still at least a few hundred kilometres south of Moscow. Is the situation so bad that Putin is running scared? 
And back south, back in Voronezh region, war has come to Russia. It looks like a scene from Ukraine, where Russia is bombing cities and town into oblivion. It looks like the Russian military is taking heavy casualties at the hands of Prigozhin's men. A Russia-on-Russia confrontation is really happening. And Russia's losses appear significantly higher than Wagner's. Several planes and helicopters have been shot down and military trucks seized, while Wagner have so far only lost one vehicle. At half past two, the battle seems to be at its apex. The Wagner troops are bearing down on Moscow, having passed Voronezh. Russian troops are taking up positions around Moscow, in the trenches, near key sites, ready to protect the capital from this insurgent mercenary force led by a former Putin ally who's now turned against him. By 3pm, one of the bridges leading to Moscow has been dismantled. Wagner fighters are now just a few hundred kilometres south. The Moscow mayor has asked people to stay in their homes. Public buildings are being evacuated and the world watches on. Extraordinary scenes unfolding today in Russia. And stunning images of a convoy of tanks making their way toward Moscow. A mutiny, perhaps even the start of a civil war. What is Prigozhin's end goal? And what happens if he reaches Moscow? How does Putin end this? Now 4pm, and the Moscow authorities have started to put rubbish trucks on the main road as barricades to try anything they can to halt the marching mercenaries. And as Wagner closes in on Moscow, back in Rostov-Adon, Prigozhin's fighters are gearing up for a confrontation. Crowds start to mass at the Rostov station as people look to flee. It looks like a bloody battle is coming. Videos show Wagner's fighters taking up positions in the big junction in the city, their guns pointed ahead. A few residents of Rostov mill around the sides, filming on their phones. It's now 6.30pm, and the Russian state is preparing to declare martial law. The Wagner's fighters are in Rostov, they're in Voronezh, and they're fast approaching Moscow. Russia's deputy prime minister, Denis Manturov, gets on a private plane to leave Moscow at around 7pm. By 7.30pm, the international reaction is escalating. President Biden meets with the leaders of France, Germany and Britain to discuss what is happening in Russia. Putin is nowhere to be seen. At 8pm, as nightfall approaches, the Belarusian president, Lukashenko, steps in. He's going to try and mediate the situation between Prigozhin and Putin. And just 30 minutes later, 23 hours after this confrontation began, everything suddenly stops. A deal appears to have been struck. Yevgeny Prigozhin publishes a message ordering his forces to stand down and return to their camps. ЧВК Вагнер хотели расформировать. Мы вышли 23 They wanted to disband Wagner. We set out on June 23rd for the March of Justice. In a day we marched just short of 200 kilometers from Moscow. During this time we have not shed a single drop of the blood of our fighters. Realizing all the responsibility for the fact that Russian blood will be shed, we are turning our columns around and leaving in the opposite direction, to our field camps according to the plan. At 9.20pm, Wagner's forces begin to leave Rostov. They leave to a hero's chorus as residents cheer them on.
The mutiny is over as quickly as it began. 23 hours of chaos. At least 12 Russian servicemen died, but some estimates put it as high as 30. That's Russian men, Russian army, who've been killed by Russian mercenaries in an attack on Russian soil against the Russian government. It's one of the most challenging questions to answer in reporting this story. Why did Prigozhin turn back his mutiny? He had the attention of Vladimir Putin himself and the world. His criticisms of the war in Ukraine had pierced through months of carefully curated propaganda, that this was just a special operation in Ukraine, not a war. But Prigozhin was saying, no, tens of thousands of Russians are being killed out there. It's a big disaster. And now... He was acting on it. But how did he think this would end? In the course of reporting this story, Will and Nina have spoken to numerous experts, including one former Wagner fighter who was close to Prigozhin. And he said the whole mutiny was typical of his arrogance and his ego. Which is odd, because you'd think he should have known. Such an act of treachery against the very regime that had built Wagner, that had moulded Prigozhin himself, would not let him off lightly. Brutality is written into Wagner's very DNA. You reap what you sow. Brutality feeds brutality. The sledgehammers, the executions, the macho nationalist rhetoric. Did Prigozhin think that Putin would just let him off? Because what followed next was a surreal two months in Kremlin politics. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. On June 26th, Two days after the mutiny, Yevgeny Prigozhin was spotted back in St. Petersburg. All criminal charges against him and his men were dropped. On the 5th of July, Prigozhin's mansion in St. Petersburg was raided. Russian media published photos of the lavish interior, its pool and jacuzzi, but also clues to the weirdness of his life. Fake passports, weapons, bars of gold and even wigs in different shades of grey. 
But beyond this raid, it seemed there still had been no repercussions. The world looked on, astonished. We start with mystery over the whereabouts of Wagner Group mercenary boss Evgeny Prigozhin. His whereabouts have been a mystery since trying to pull off that uprising. I wonder if you could provide us all with a, a bit of an update on the whereabouts of the Wagner leader Evgeny Prigozhin. The Kremlin said that there had been a lengthy meeting between Prigozhin, Wagner commanders and Putin at which Putin had heard their complaints and assessed their performance on the battlefield in Ukraine. The Kremlin also said that during the meeting, the Wagner fighters pledged their loyalty to Putin. About a week later, Prigozhin is filmed in Belarus. He's making a speech to a group of Wagner fighters saying they'll return to Africa. Welcome to hell! In late July, Prigozhin is seen casually in jeans, smiling with African dignitaries on the sidelines of the Russia-Africa summit in St. Petersburg. It seems, at least in the way Prigozhin is conducting himself, that things are returning to the status quo ante. Wagner will concern itself with operations in Africa. Russia will concern itself with operations in Ukraine. Behind the scenes, the reality is very different. On the 23rd of August, exactly two months after the coup started, Prigozhin's plane crashes. The final minute is caught on video by locals. The Embraer jet, apparently carrying Yevgeny Prigozhin, goes on a wild roller coaster ride as the pilot appears to wrestle with the controls. Then it explodes into a ball of flames. Ten bodies are reportedly recovered. In the last hour, it's been confirmed that Yevgeny Prigozhin, head of the Wagner Group, was on board the private jet. Russian authorities say they've identified Prigozhin's body from his missing finger. So was this an accident? or an assassination. This has only been a matter of time. He's been a dead man walking since the 24th of June when this... Uh, it's not clear yet why the plane crashed. Locals say they heard two explosions just beforehand. It could have been a bomb on board or a strike from a Russian fighter jet or an anti-air defense missile system from near Moscow. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. There's not much that happens when the Russian is not behind, but I don't know enough to know the answer. Western officials agree. They say Prigozhin was very likely targeted and that the crash falls in line with Putin's long history of trying to silence his critics. The strike wasn't just a punishment, though. It was a decapitation. The other men reportedly on the plane included other of Prigozhin's top lieutenants. It looks like spectacular revenge, a warning to any other potential mutineers or coup plotters. If so, Putin's message is the same one he has delivered to anyone thinking of opposing him, freedom fighter, defector or warlord. We won't get you now, but we'll get you at a time and place of my choosing. Has Putin won? Only a charlatan or a liar would say anything is certain right now in Russia. In the short term, at least, it's clear that he's consolidated his control over the armed forces. But if 
18 months into your so-called special military operation in Ukraine, you're launching decapitation strikes against commanders on your own side, it probably means your war effort is in trouble. In the longer term, it may become more apparent that Putin no longer has an effective strike force. For the last two years, the Wagner Group has been the Russian army's spear tip. The man who led the capture of Bakhmut, which is the only successful Russian military operation since the invasion started in February 2022, is dead. And his mercenary army, a major instrument of Russia's influence in Africa and the Middle East, is in complete disarray. In a video published on Thursday 24th of August, Putin sits behind his desk. For the first time, he acknowledges Prigozhin's death. He does it in his characteristic, muted, matter-of-fact tone. I knew Prigozhin for a long time, from the early 1990s. He had a difficult path and made serious mistakes in his life. But he got results for himself and when I asked him. Putin wants to project confidence, but in between coughs, you can see the Russian leader's hands are twitching. Overnight, Wagner Telegram channels re-upload an old video of Prigozhin. He sat smiling. In it, he says, We're all going to hell, but in hell, we will be the best. Perhaps one of the greatest pieces of 20th century journalism is John Reed's 10 Days That Shook the World. It's a first-hand account of the 1917 October Revolution, when the Tsar was expelled from St. Petersburg and the Bolsheviks seized power. For a moment in June, it seemed that Russia's new Tsar was about to be ousted like his predecessor. But Putin is far better organised than the Tsars ever were. As for Prigozhin, he was never a serious revolutionary. He was a self-serving mobster in a turf war with the Russian military. And in the end, he picked the wrong opponent. This episode was reported by me, Will Brown, and Nina Kuriata. The producer was Matt Russell, with additional production by Ella Hill. The sound designer was Sam Mbatha, and the editor was Basha Cummings. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry, to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts.